Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. Try to finish. Um, I didn't know it was going to go on, but it did. So <laughs> the lesson that I started a couple weeks ago, because we haven't had the adult class for a while, um, about being dead on arrival. Um, I know it's ir- ironic. I'm really tired today, so if I say a lot of words <laughs> that are crazy, just give me the benefit of the doubt. Um, <clears throat> our uh, third quarter is about life, and I'm talking about death. So stick with me. Uh, The world would say, I'm just going to recap a little bit. The world would say in order to arrive at your best life, then you need to take care of yourself first. This is what the world says. Do what makes you happy. Buy what pleases you. Go places that make your heart content. Follow your heart. Save the best you for you. And on and on it goes about selfishness. That's the world that we're in right now. These are very self-centered ways. And they are just the opposite of the life and the very example of Jesus Christ. He taught that the way up is down. If you want to be first, then be last. If you want to be the greatest, look for a seat at the back of the room, like an unnoticed child. Become the least, become the servant. That's the way of Christ. These teachings of Jesus are not just for us to read, but he is our example in every single way. If we are his followers, then we follow his lead. We are to be the modern day Jesus. Our views should be biblical and not worldly. If his word says that death is the way to life, then we follow. We obey it. And we find out that this very old book called the Bible, is very relevant for today. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change, so we follow his lead. 1 John 3, 16 says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, As we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. How many like (laughs) to just sacrifice yourself? Exactly. Don't raise your hand. Because nobody likes it. We learn that this death that I'm I'm teaching about. uh, Being dead. Is the death 
like a crucifixion to the flesh. To crucify one's flesh is to destroy its power utterly. Destruction is intended to extinguish passions and selfishness. Not to literally kill your body, but to crucify the flesh and everything the flesh wants to do. You just say no. No, you're not going to say that. I know you want to say it, but you're not going to say it. What would Jesus say? If he would say it, then go ahead and say it. If he wouldn't say it, don't say it. And you're you just, you keep your mouth shut. To arrive is to reach one's destination, to attain success, power, achievement, or fame. So we're talking about being dead on arrival. Like I said, this quarter's theme is life. And I want to continue today on how to have the life that God intended us to have. But I am going to ask for your input today. And uh, I want you to think about what it looks like to die to the flesh. I think we need to get a little more understanding of what that is. So what are some examples of dying to ourselves, to our will? What does it look like? What does it look like to you to crucify your flesh? Not do what you want to do. Not say what you want to say. And then I want you to tell me what are the benefits that come from that. Okay? I'm going to give you an example. Fasting is crucifying the flesh. It looks like self-discipline. <laughs> it is self-discipline. Um, if anybody ever tells you, oh, I love to fast, I would question their sanity. <laughs> um, they might love the benefits of fasting, but uh, fasting itself is not fun. So that's an example. Fasting is an example of crucifying the flesh. It's denying the flesh food. The benefit of that, of fasting, I have more clarity of mind when I'm fasting. I hear God's voice easier when I'm fasting. My thoughts are more focused on him. I'm more sensitive to his spirit. Probably because I'm ignoring the chocolate cake on the counter. And he's like, good girl, that's a good job. Now I'll let you hear my voice. So I have mics up here. And uh, I'm going to ask you to come. There's a mic on this side and one on this side. And Benjamin is going to be very happy to help us on this side. Thank you. And Brother Micah, if you can help us on this side. Um, I want to know a few examples of what it's like to die to yourself. What it's like to crucify your flesh. What do you think of when you think of that? Can you raise your hand if you... Are going, I know you're going to participate, but who's going to be first? Who wants to fight for first? I only have 45 minutes to teach this lesson, so I need your help. Thank you, Brother Titus. <laughs> Think of something you hate to do, but you do it anyway. 
What color is that? Yellow. Yellow. Okay, thank there you. We go. I was really wanting Micah's mic, but <laughs> uh, this is not necessarily something I do, but I used to do, and I should do, and we all should do, but it's an uh, exercise. Uh, I was taught in Alexandria because they would make us, we would, they would make us run in the mornings. It was one hour of prayer and then one hour of running. We got them to switch it to one hour of running and then prayer because we were falling asleep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we were wide awake whenever we, uh, had ran first. So, uh, they just made me look at it in a totally different light that it's, it's something we don't want to do, um, but you get better at it, uh, like like running or lifting weights or whatever you're doing. Uh, I don't think we should put so much focus on it just to glorify the body, um, but it's a good way of, of making yourself do something you don't want to do. And the benefit of it is that you, you can run your flesh and not have your flesh run you. Um, it's very similar to fasting, or it can be, if it's looked at in that way, um, that you, you just can be a little bit more focused and, and a little bit more disciplined, knowing that you can tell your flesh no, and you can tell, um, tell it what to do, um, and when it can do whatever. So it just kind of gives you a little bit more strength over your flesh by not giving it what it wants. So, Amen. Next. Putting the flesh down, killing, crucifying the flesh. Maybe not maybe not spiritual, but cleaning. <laughs> cleaning. The older I get, the more I just do not like to clean. Yeah. Which could relate to a lot of things spiritual. <laughs> I'll leave it there. Right. Cleaning. Okay, but wait. What's the benefit? I know you don't like to do it, but what's the benefit of it? Oh, it just really makes me feel complete, happy. Yeah. To sit and on the couch when it's done and like, oh, it's done. Yeah. And then it just happens all over again the next <laughs> week. Yes. It is very, it, it feels really good. feels really good to sit at a kitchen table where there's no junk there. I mean. Man, look at this. I actually can see the salt and pepper shakers. <laughs> Pastor. Um, I started on this journey when I was trying to lose weight. <laughs> and it's flowed into my uh, spiritual part of it. But I, I, I um, constantly am saying to myself when I look at the extra food that I'm wanting to eat, and I say, do you really need this, Mark? And I say to myself, no. I do talk to myself at times. <laughs> and I said, no, I really don't need it. So I walk on past it. Uh, but it but it goes into the spiritual side also. Do you really need this? No, I really don't need it. And my wife reaffirms that too. Do you really need this? No, I probably don't. But it, it's just, I think a lot of it is just a practice of getting into a mode and and trying to do things on your own to to be able to just walk on past some things and deny yourself in certain things and then yeah you do feel a whole lot better uh, 
in the fact that you know I, I've accomplished something and uh, it makes me stronger spiritually and helps me through the spiritual things. That's good. Sister Debbie? Shopping. What is it? Shopping. Shopping. Uh, there's times I go all out, and there's times where I go and I don't buy anything. I'm just looking. Right. And uh, I like that. That, but uh, you know, I just do that once in a while. So I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're all trying. So crucifying the flesh means going shopping and not buying anything. I'm patting myself on the back right now. Good job. Good job, Sister Debbie. <laughs> I would just avoid the store. Okay. <laughs> um, I actually thought of two things. Um, the first, when I always feel led outside of like normal um, like times of fasting directed by God to specifically lay something down for a time it's always something that's taking my time because I and I think especially in this day and age is um like we're very we have a whole lot less of time it seems like it seems like everything in the day wants our time especially from the Lord and the benefit of that every time if it's Netflix or um this book series you're reading that's like not anything to do with Christ or like bettering your walk with God, it's always benefited me because I've always heard the voice of God better. And at times when it's something that like I was, like one time it was Netflix because I was binging TV shows way too much. <laughs> and then I found like when I was done with that fast, I didn't really care about binging TV shows every day. Like it wasn't something. So like sometimes God calling you to put your flesh down is also to benefit like your health and well-being um, in everyday life, not just the spiritual, but it can have both sides. And then the other way I've been putting my flesh down a lot right now is I have to say no to a lot of the chocolate cake and everything I want because I have di gestational diabetes. And I know if I eat this cake and my sugar goes high, like my baby could have a seizure because my body can't control its sugar as well. So, um, there's like that benefit and it's easy. It's a lot easier when it's your children that's their lives are at stake. It would probably be a lot harder if it was just me. Um, but I think the spiritual implications of the same thought of when we die to ourselves, we're not just doing it for ourselves we're right. doing it for those we minister right. to yeah. and those we're discipling because they're going to benefit from our flesh being put down and we being more in tune to the spirit. Good, good point. And it is the truth. Anyone else? Okay, so negative talking or just speaking bad about a particular thing. When I would do this, I noticed that I used to think negative all the time about a particular thing, mostly about school <laughs> because that's how it was. Never liked it. Still don't. Okay. Besides the point. Um, sometimes when we speak negative, we start thinking negative about yeah. particular things. And I'm 
been trying to think positive about t- partic- particular things. And I noticed that my thinking has been positive. Yeah. Sometimes it may be hard to think positive, but yeah. no matter what in this situation, you got to think positive. Like, just, that's one of the things that's good. <laughs> that's good. So the, the benefit of disciplining your mind to think more positive, the benefit is you begin acting in a positive way. Okay, I need to move on with the lesson. Unless anybody, Ben, I know you had something. So, Um, I would say sacrificing my me time for time with others. Because, like, I think, like, right now, um, like, with school and work and everything, like, culminating to me graduating, like, my my time is basically everything to me. Um, But I've been really trying to, like, sacrifice my me time here and there so I can, like, use it to, like, talk to my parents because they don't get to see me very often. Or um, just, uh, like, whenever uh, Amos and Tempe come over and Sean... And they want me to play a game, and I really don't want to, but I play with them anyway. <laughs> so, uh, all it takes is like five seconds of interacting with others, and they're like, "Oh yeah, this is much better." Yes. Um, but it's like actually like reminding yourself of like the benefits of talking to others. It's like rejuvenating. You get encouraged. Um, and I don't know. It's just a. I've been trying my best to uh, be a little more open and not so introverted and shut off. So That's good. Thank you, everybody, for your input. There is benefits, great, great benefits <clears throat> to dying to ourselves, dying to what we want, uh, putting our flesh down, and just like what Ben was saying, Uh, Sometimes we get really consumed with what we want to do. You know, it might be on a game system or it might be, you know, whatever you do to get away from people. And like Sister Franny said, you're not only taking away from yourself, but you're taking away from others when you do that. When you isolate yourself, you're not doing what the, what the Bible teaches us to do. It teaches us that we need one another. We're the body of Christ. You cannot say that I don't need you, and I cannot say you don't need me. And it really does take some self-discipline to say, no, you're not going to do what you want to do. You're going to go spend time with somebody. You're going to pick up the phone and call somebody. And that's not easy. You know, um, we can look at the world and say, We live in a very selfish world, but we have to be honest with ourselves. Am I a part of that selfish world? And I know time is so busy that we do need to take time for ourselves, no doubt, especially alone time with the Lord. We absolutely have to have that. And and you need one-on-one time with your spouse. But there's also other people that need us and benefit from our lives. Thank you all for those great um, comments. <clears throat> Ephesians 4:22 through 32. 
this is what it might look like for those who have died to their sinful nature. Ephesians 4, 22 through 32. That you put off the former conversation that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. As Sister Sidney said, what you think, your actions follow. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, since you're new, putting away lying, Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Why is it so hard to die? To die to our flesh. When we are dead, we have no control. And every one of us you may have never titled yourself as a control freak, but every one of us hate to lose control. Some won't even come to the altar because it's a place where you give up control. But in order to arrive and be in alignment with God's plan, arrive at his purpose, arrive at his will, and one day arrive in the likeness of his glory, then we have to die to our flesh now. When we are dead on arrival, it's so much easier to trust. When we relinquish control and we trust, we don't worry, we don't fret about tomorrow because we're dead to our ideas. We're dead to our ways and we just trust him. We're dead to control. We trust that no matter what the day brings, that everything is going to work out for our good. We trust his word. We believe it. If he said it, then it's true. When you're dead, you have no control. And that is exactly where the Lord wants us to be. <laughs> he doesn't want us to be in control. He doesn't want our flesh to control everything that we do and say. He wants us to relinquish control and say, God, your will, not mine. My plans for the day may be perfect. I might have everything set, and then it changes. One incident, one text, one phone call changes the whole day. And in that moment, I have a choice. If I am fully consumed with myself, my life, 
or if I'm dead to my life, I will react one way or the other. I will react to the chaos according to if I'm submitted to him, trust him, whatever. I'll either be upset or I will have inner peace. And let me tell you, you can have inner peace with tears streaming down your face. There could be a phone call that is very upsetting, that you've just lost your job or something like that. And it, you can be upset, tears streaming down your face and like, oh man, I don't know how this is going to work out. But inside, you can have an inner peace because you've already relinquished control, your own control to God. You're already dead to your own will and to your own ways. Your life is his. So whatever, Lord, whatever, I trust you. 1 Peter 2, 21 through 24. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was any guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again, when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. What a beautiful example he is to us. I love reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because although I can see who God is in the Old Testament, but when I read the life of Jesus Christ, his interactions with people, how he treats people, how he was so compassionate, how there was not a selfish bone in his body, I love reading that because that's my goal. I want to be like him. I want to crucify the flesh so I can live the full life that he meant for me to live. There's so many ways that it looks to crucify your flesh. One of those ways is in a relationship with people. It's so easy to give our opinions and to you know, let things come out of our mouth of how we feel and how you're doing this to me and blaming them and all of this. And when we crucify our flesh, sometimes you just keep your mouth shut. And that is hard. When he was reviled, he did not revile back. You say, well, he was God. Of course he did that. He was our example. They were crucifying him not just with nails they were crucifying him with words making fun of him the only one that did not deserve to be made fun of the only one without sin and he knew who he was but they didn't know who he was and that is our example what is the benefit of not taking up for your reputation the benefit is God takes up 
for you. In my devotional on September 10th, I am thoroughly enjoying that book, Titus. I mean, the Lord is just, well, he's doing a work on me. Thanks for the helping me crucify my flesh. <laughs> September 10th, it said this. There is a divine mystery in suffering. One that has a strange and supernatural power and has never been completely understood by human reason. No one has ever developed a deep level of spirituality or holiness without experiencing a great deal of suffering. When a person who suffers reaches a point where he can be calm and carefree, inwardly smiling at his own suffering and no longer asking God to be delivered from it, then the suffering has accomplished its blessed ministry. Perseverance has finished its work. And listen to this. And the pain of the crucifixion has begun to weave itself into a crown. It is in this experience of complete suffering that the Holy Spirit works many miraculous things deep within our soul. In this condition, our entire being lies perfectly still under the hand of God. Every power and ability of the mind, will, and heart are at last submissive. A quietness of eternity settles into the soul and finally the mouth becomes quiet. Having only a few words to say and stops crying out the words of Christ on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At this point, the person stops imagining castles in the sky and pursuing foolish ideas and his reasoning becomes calm and relaxed when all choice is removed because the only choice he has now becomes the purpose of God. Also, his emotions are weaned away from other people and things becoming deadened so that nothing can hurt, offend, hinder, or get in his way. He can now let the circumstances be what they may and continue to seek only God and his will. With the calm assurance that he is causing everything in the universe, whether good or bad, past or present, to work for the good of those who love him. Oh, the blessing of absolute submission to Christ. What a blessing to lose our own strength, wisdom, plans, and desires and to be where every ounce of our being becomes like a peaceful sea of Galilee under the omnipotent feet of Jesus. The main thing is to suffer without becoming discouraged. Powerful. Very, very powerful. Do you know that there are some death benefits 
when we die to our flesh. If we die with Christ, the Bible says we also get to live with him. It's not all about death. It's also about the blessings and the victories that we get to partake of because of our willingness to lay down our lives. Like I said about marriage, when you're willing to keep your mouth shut and lay down your own will and stop forcing your way, your marriage is going to be better. You're going to benefit from it, from any relationship you have with anybody. When we just put our will down, stop forcing our way, stop being so prideful that we're always right and they're always wrong, when we stop that and we step into the footprints of Jesus Christ and we say, what would he do? How would he react? He might just shut his mouth and let them talk. Because sometimes the longer we talk, we talk this big circle and we realize, oh wow, it was me. <laughs> there are some death benefits. Romans 6, 4 through 10. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism unto death. When we went down in a watery grave in baptism, we buried the old self. We died. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, if we do this, if we die to ourselves, then we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. I've been talking a lot this weekend and my voice is tired. Knowing that the old man is crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. What in the world does that mean? If I'm dead, I'm freed from sin. If you start dying to your flesh, you don't have to worry about sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. 2 Timothy 2 and 11, it is a faithful saying. For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. This is the key to abundant life. It makes no sense, I know, in the human mind that if you want a good life, if you really want an abundant life, then die. But it's the truth. To arrive at being the best spouse, just die. Die to our self-centered ways. To be the best parent, just die to your own philosophies and take on the ways of Christ and the teaching of Scripture. To be the most blessed financially, die 
to your own wishes. Die to shopping and the wants that everything that we want and seek his kingdom first. And all these things that we want, the Bible says, will be added unto us. The, to be the best follower of Christ and to follow him in the way that we should, we follow him all the way to the cross. We don't just stop in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John following him how did he do those miracles? What did he say to those people? Do I need to go get some mud and put it on someone's eyes so they can be healed? We want to follow in those footsteps. He said, greater things than these shall you do. You will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And we love all of that. But if we're truly following Christ, we can't stop there. Because it doesn't stop there. If we want the ultimate goal, the ultimate life, which is eternal life, then we follow him all the way to the cross. And we, as he did, nobody made him get on that cross. He made the choice to lay down his life. And to die. And it wasn't. For his own benefit, Sister Franny. It was for the benefit of all of the world. For our salvation. Just think, if he would have stopped before he got to the cross. So that's too much. That hurts too much. I know what's going to happen. It was excruciating pain before he ever got there. Because he's God and he knew what was going to happen. He knew what it was going to feel like. He knew it all and he stopped and made the choice. And said in the garden, not my will, but thy will be done. And that's exactly what you and I need to say on a daily basis. And let me tell you, it is a daily death. Paul said it, I die daily. He was talking about to the flesh. I die every day to the flesh. I get up and I find a place with the Lord. Not because I'm just so excited to be up. Not because I'm a morning person. Because I would rather pray at midnight. Honestly. While some of you have been asleep for three hours. I, that's when I'd rather be praying. But I want to start my day with him. So I say flesh. You're not getting your way. You're not doing this, this, and this. First of all, God. He did it as our example. And now he's saying to you and to me, it's time to lay down your life. It's time to stop letting the flesh have its way in every situation. And it's time to be dead so you can live. The ultimate benefit for dying to the flesh is that one day, we are going to exchange this death for victory. We have to keep the big picture in mind. And that's what the Bible tells us. of For the joy that was set before him. He knew there was a joy coming. He knew there was a resurrection coming. And if you and I could keep that in our minds. It's going to benefit me if I just put my flesh down. 
It's not easy. It is hard. I don't want to fast today, but I know the benefit of it. So I've got to keep that in front of me. And that's exactly what Jesus did. First Corinthians 15, 51 through 58. Behold, I show you a mystery. It's the mystery that if you die now, you get to have victory later. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. No more fighting this flesh after that. For this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal body shall put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written. Somebody thank the Lord for this. Death is swallowed up in victory. If you die now, trust me, it's going to be worth it all. Woo. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Yes, it hurts right now. There's a lot of sting happening every time we crucify the flesh. Every time I put a zipper on my mouth and I don't say what I want to say, it hurts. But there's a victory coming. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, because you know this, because you understand that if you die now, you're going to have a resurrection later. Therefore, verse 58 says, because of this knowing and understanding this truth, he says, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain. Every time we crucify the flesh, just know it's not in vain. I don't care if anybody sees it. I don't care if anybody ever hears about it. Just know when you crucify the flesh, your labor is not in vain. We used to sing the song, it's going to be worth it all. Some beautiful, happy day. It's going to be worth every long fast day. <laughs> every long mile. Every heartache and every trial. It's going to be worth it all. Some beautiful, happy day. And that is the truth. That is the truth. Thank you, Sister Burke, for telling me that I got to kill myself and kill my flesh. Not kill myself, literally. Uh, crucify my flesh to be victorious. 
I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Lord, we thank you that even when, God, it hurts, even when it's hard to hear some of the things in your word, God, we know that it's for our benefit. We know you're trying to help us to have life and to have it more abundantly. We want to be like you, Jesus. We want to be like you. We want to love the way that you love. We want to serve the way that you served, God. We want to be the example that this world needs to see. But we need your help with it, Lord. And we're not ashamed to ask for your help. Help us, God, to crucify this flesh so that we can live with you, God. So we can be the example that you were to this world. Show us this very weak, God, in the areas of our lives where we need to crucify our flesh. Show us those things, God, so we can be better, so we can be more like you. And we thank you for it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen.